I'll throw the link for the YouTube chat here and in private chat for you. Hey everybody, welcome to the Growing Up Fishes podcast, episode 183. Today we have Candace Evans joining us. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. Hey everybody, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. I'm honored to be here. This is absolutely monumental. <laughs> um, we have, uh, hopefully Marty and uh, a couple of the other guys will be trickling in here. I think we're going to do Sundays at noon, at least for the time being, until we get to uh, a little bit of a different, uh, actually until I get permanently into my new space. So either the end of this week or beginning of next week, I'm supposed to be into my new spot. We'll see uh, once I'm into my permanent house. Um, they're just fixing a couple of the electrical. They're putting some US outlets in there for me and some other stuff so it can operate a little easier out there. Um, and getting the solar up because it's in the sticks, right? So. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, uh, thanks a lot for joining us. So why don't you tell us a little about yourself and, um, you know, about uh, women growing in cannabis. We haven't had a, a ton of uh, people on the show to, to talk about that. And we're excited to have you on. And you have a whole bunch of cool books you have, uh, uh, you're going to tell us about as well. So I'm really excited to have you. Thank you so much. Um, it was a pleasure meeting you. I really appreciate you reaching out because that is a very, very important topic that I love to speak about, which is women in cannabis. Um, I think it steers from the fact that growing up completely young, you know, you see a lot of older women in the garden and most plants are female essentially anyway. So I feel like it's important that women realize their, their place in the cannabis industry as far as growing, stepping foot in the banking part and obviously collaborating with a lot of high tiers to um, come up with their own strains as well. Um, a lot more women suffer from diseases and cannabis is a, a very broad spectrum of medicating yourself and healing yourself within that, within that field. And so if we want to really steer towards why it's important that women educate themselves on cannabis, it has a lot to do with um, as far as breast cancer, lymphoma, um, ovarian cancer, um, depression, anxiety, a lot of women suffer from that. And I feel that cannabis is a gateway for them to understand that it's okay to breathe as my best friend Cassia can say, um, that it's okay to consume cannabis responsibly. <laughs> I, it's okay to consume cannabis responsibly and it's okay that you're a mom um, cannabis moms, I think they're amazing. Um, there, there is a high, like a high number of moms out there that consume cannabis. Um, and just in general, I just feel like women need to really educate themselves on that prospect. And that's what I'm here for today to talk about that. Awesome. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. My yeah. name is nice to meet you. Sorry, I'm late. No, no, please. Like, I'm glad you joined us. That's really, that's really awesome. <laughs> Steve decided to change the time since he's, you know, on the other side of the world and all. So. Right. <laughs> he's in Africa. Actually. I, I guess he doesn't want to get up at five in the morning. <laughs> For us. <laughs> yeah. Our old time that we did the show would, would have been, was it 4.30 in the morning, Steve? 5.30 in the morning? Something like that? Or the, the normal time is 4.30 in the morning, my time on Friday morning. So, <laughs> so I guess I can show up at noon. Yeah. 
love it. I absolutely love it. Um, Mark, can you tell me a little about what you do? Um, I grow stuff, basically. <laughs> um, I have, you know, I have uh, been doing aquaponics for five or six years now, um, and uh, aquaponic cannabis for five years or so. So I started doing food, but I've, I've used cannabis for a long time. Grew up in Northern California, um, so I've uh, definitely been in a lot of grow rooms even before I started growing and stuff like that. So it was definitely uh, part of my culture for a long time. But I totally agree with what you're saying about the stigma behind uh, women and especially moms who use cannabis. Um, you know, that for, for some reason, it's like, a, you know, so much worse than like anybody can talk about a wine mom, right? Oh, I got to have my glass of wine at the end of the day to relax. Like, okay, alcoholism, cool. But you know, like, cannabis that you get all the thumbs down and everything else. So it never, um, in, in the stigma attached to it on top of that. And I see it in, in a lot of women in my life, not only in my family, but even the people that still smoke the, the, um, what, what I would say is probably like the, the timidness of, of talking about using it, talking about using it while you're a parent, talking about using it or how it helps you, um, I see even in, even in supportive people in the industry uh, having a negative connotation attached to that. Uh, and when I say that, I mean moms using cannabis to be better people for some reason is a bad thing. And I can never connect the dots as to why it's the bad thing, just that it is. So I think it's because um, I'm from South Carolina and I was raised in the South. Um, so I started using cannabis at the age of 14. I learned about aquaponics shortly after maybe my mid, like after my mid twenties hit, like around 28, 29. And I actively mm -hmm. began to use it when I moved to California for growing and it wasn't growing cannabis. It was growing like regular um, spinach. And I, we bought some land. I had a, um, a ex friend and we bought some land in Yano and I began to play around with it with my friend Carmel. She's a vegan chef. Um, amazing. So we began to play around with like the soil, the water, and I began to really look for sustainable growth, but saving money as well. And I'm a, I'm obviously LGBTQ community, and but my best friends are a single mothers. And what I noticed is we saved more money. She taught me, a lot of my friends who are single mothers teach me how to save money. A lot of the problems with cannabis is it takes so much to start up and most men in the household make the most money. So obviously that's why it's a male dominated industry. However, a like lot everything. of, <laughs> right, yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Sure. A lot of men don't take care of their responsibilities, not like you or someone of your stance, but some men run from those. So that leaves women as single mothers. So this is where I come in to kind of help them understand like, hey, you can go down to the city, you can get your, um, what they call your, like, it's like a temporary growing license that you can grow up to 99. And if there's kids in the home, according to what city you're in, depending on what state, you can grow up to like 20 to 25. And so if you're able to do that and really learn how to sustainable, like grow your cannabis sustainably, I feel like it's passive income. You can take donations, make tea, edibles. And this is money that comes back in your household, no matter what color, race, or religion you are. This is very important. If you can grow lavender, then you can grow cannabis. It's not that hard. However, chemicals are involved as well. So how can you grow cannabis on a sustainable level? And I feel like the food for cannabis gets expensive when you're a single mother or you're 
a woman just trying to make it. And that happens by educating them on what aquaponics is. And that's what we're doing right now is letting people know, hey, you can add certain things to your, to your equation, but mainly what plants need to grow is nitrate. And that is produced by fish poop. That's produced by a lot of things that becomes earthly. And if you're trying to grow some real good dank, take your time, go in the beginner stage. You start at step one, um, do the lightweight, do the organic sustainable. And then as you become from novice to expert down the line, like maybe four or five steps down the line, then now you're an expert at it. And now you can grow like triclones. You start to see like your development level of creating really good strains and you become addicted to the success of it. And that's when you get into, okay, let's try this or let's try that, or let me chime in to people like you and, and um, Dave, who's doing podcasts like this, let me watch this and see what I can add to the equation sustainably to help this out. I think that's where it's really important that we come in and educate people upon what's going on in that, in aquaponics. Yeah, very cool. I think that, you know, I totally agree with you in terms of like starting out and getting going and trying different things that it, it evolves. It's a skill just like anything else. You know, people talk about, I, I actually hate it when people talk about like having a green thumb or not having a green thumb. Um, you know, every, everybody fails to do just about everything the first time that you try it. And so um, I think that whether you're dribbling a basketball or you're learning how to grow a plant, it takes repetition. It takes um, time. It takes those reps to see it, it happening differently, turning out differently and making different decisions and learning from those in part of that process. So I, I totally agree with you that, um, and, and maybe that that's part of the, you, know, you touched a little bit on it being expensive to get started in aquaponics or, or different things. And, and I think that it can also be a slightly different learning curve as well, though where it seems more intimidating. Whereas once you, once you get through it, um, you know, it's not that big a deal, but there's always those, uh, there's always those next level things that you can go to. You're like, okay, step one, I can grow a plant. It, it's physically growing and it's green and it might be in veg, but okay, you know, we, we made it this far. Now there's the next thing like you talked about. Once you get to where you can grow plants, now you can be like, oh, well, how can I get them to grow better or faster or taller or bushier or get more yield or have more trichomes or have more strains that I like or have different strains or Maybe I can do breeding. You know, there's so many different things that you can get into that it's an, it's an entire scope of, of skills that you can get to eventually, but they all start from the base one. So that's really where you got to start out for sure. And I think I do educate, I do let women know um, that collaborating with hydroponic stores, you know, most of them, most of them, I would say, are well-educated, you know, chime in to podcasts as we're speaking about, you know, um, I think that's really important as well. Finding out what works, like worms, if they're like, hey, I don't wanna use this chemical, worms hold a substantial amount of um, cow mag that you need, like that's a replacement for it. Um, as far as nitrates, the fish poop holds that. As far as like the potassium, Red worms are really good for those. Um, they're really hard to find. I'm not quite sure if Amazon has a really good rapport on carrying them a lot, but a lot of times they do run out. Not the regular worms, they're red worms and they come from- uh, Uncle Jim's is really good as well. Uh, if you're looking for worms for your aquaponic system. Yeah, um, Uncle we, Jim's worm farm delivers globally. Pretty yep. pretty inexpensive. Um, and that they pretty much always have have product. The other places you can check are local farmers markets. 
a lot of times you'll have at least one worm guy that shows up there. Um, yeah. And that's usually the cheapest place to find them. You can usually get like a, you know, a pound of <clears throat> red worm castings for like, you know, five to 10 bucks a bag, whereas probably a little more expensive to get them online. So if you can find them locally, that's great. But if not, um, is it, is it, is it uncle Jim's or earthworm Jim's? I forget. It's one of the two. It's uncle, uncle Jim's. Uncle Cause Jim. I always remember it's like, it always reminds me, the logo almost reminds me of Bubba Gump. For whatever yeah. reason. The Bubba Gump trimming coming. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, it does uh, look a lot like it. You're other, right. I never thought of it, but it does. The other, the other worms that we really like for aquaponic systems are black worms, which are normally sold for the aquarium trade. They get down into those anaerobic zones and the sludgy areas in the very bottom of the media beds and help break it up so that it keeps that system clean. You know, you end up with that little bit of grit at the bottom of the media beds. It really helps break that down. And, and when they tunnel in there, it helps bring in fresh oxygenated water so you don't have those anaerobic zones that can flip your pH or other things. So um, them combined with the red wigglers are, are a great combo. I think because black worms are, um, you find essentially earthwise, you find more black worms in like mashi areas, like swampy areas deep down. So if you're a nature person and you want to <laughs> get closer with nature, I mean, you can get them free by digging <laughs> in swamp areas around the months of um, starting spring, actually, from like they they bloom in spring around April and they'll go all the way to September, October. You'll find a really, in the winter time, it's really hard to find them, but in the summer, they just, they come out. You just have to be careful when you wild collect them. Um, you you want to try and get at a place where there's not fish. You know, if you can find a straight marsh because they can often carry uh, flukes, uh, the eggs for flukes in their digestive tract. Um, so you, you can introduce pathogens with wild harvested ones. Uh, we, I used to wild harvest uh, tube effects worms all the time in New Jersey. For my aquarium fish we drive over and and there's a nice patch of forest that just had like this boggy marshy area and there was no you know no fish or anything in it but it was just wonderful marsh and we just hike in and had our little collection spot you go and you throw some some wheat meal down or some rice bran or something and and you know wait half an hour an hour and they'll come right up after yeah they all come up to grab it um in the south that's when we used to play in the woods that was that was the biggest thing you find the best black and they were so beautiful the black worms and what i noticed is they um they were so rich in in nutrients which i didn't know until i grew up and began to research them quite a bit but um i do have some people chiming in so i'm going to kind of go down the list of what aquaponics is for the individuals and people who don't know coming into the conversation um for everybody who does not know, aquaponics is a sustainable and organic way of growing where fish actually feed the cannabis plants. And um, I think with the loop system, people worry about their water bill. <laughs> so, so the loop system is really important, is absolutely when the fish obviously feed the cannabis plants and then the filter and it goes right back into the fish um, where they're pretty, you know, the water's pretty much clear and it circles around. So I kind of wanted to just brief people on that because some people are chiming in who don't know what it is. A lot of women are chiming in like, hey, what is aquaponics? How can I figure this out? But if you want to know more then um, he has in his YouTube channel on uh, episode one, it shows you a little bit more. Yeah, Mar so Marty and I did a, a pretty good kind of um, beginner's guide episodes one through 16. Um, really cover a lot of the basics for aquaponic cannabis growing and a lot of the key things. And then we've got, we, we have a couple others, I think, was it maybe 10 or 20 episodes ago, we did another aquaponic 101 
Um, I think it was like I think we've done about 60 or something. three of them now. Whenever we yeah. have a guest that cancels <laughs> last minute, we, yeah. we go to that <laughs> quite a bit. So I think we've done more. two or three of them, and including all the first ones where we did all, we did, I think we did nutrient episodes, right? We did one on phosphorus and potassium and calcium. Yeah. And yeah, those were really yeah. good. Awesome. So there's all the nutrient ones are on there too on, on the first one. So if you guys are interested in checking that out and then all the, all the specialists that we have from all the different guests that Steve has lovingly brought to us, um, you can start to dial in those, those extra things after that. You know, we have, you know, if you want microbes, you can, you know, Elaine Ingram and Jeff Lowenfels and all kinds of different people have come on um, people that I consider experts in their field um, and being able to learn from that. And when I say experts, again, I'm talking about not self-proclaimed experts. Like I've done it three times. And now I know everything about it. I'm talking about people that have been in the industry for a long, long time and uh, that have college degrees and actual studies with control groups and um, observations, not just the anecdotal evidence of I've grown this three times. Therefore, I call myself a master grower and want to give speeches on it. So there's definitely uh, that. So back up. We've really divided it into like two different industries now. And I think that um, you know, you have the real sort of commercial industry and you still have the what I call the actual cannabis industry. So we have a lot of guests throughout all of the hundred what what episode are we on, Steve? Hundred and something. One eighty three, yeah. Yeah, I knew we were getting close to two hundred. So we've got tons of people. We've got lighting. If you want to start talking about uh, lighting stuff, we have that, you know. Uh, Spectrum King, Black Dog have been on multiple times. We did a grow off with a uh, fish ganja guy, did a Black Dog versus Spectrum King grow, which had has a lot of great information. Spoiler alert, Spectrum King wins. Um, <laughs> so there's just a ton of different stuff like uh, extracts, like Frenchy cannoli, uh, glass blowing. We had a great episode where it basically gave us a hands-on tour of a glass blowing shop. Um, you know, there's tons of those different uh, you know, so we really started with the basics. And now we have now we have like a library of different stuff that you can really hone in. If you find something you want to be interested in, breeders. We've had breeder Steve. Um, we've had uh, uh, Swami. We've had uh, Subcool. We've had a number of different people on. So uh, just anything that you want to hammer out, find some names and scroll down that list in episodes, and you can find out a ton of really great free information. That, that won't cost any of those single moms a dime. So yeah, hopefully think, you guys can share that up one side and down the other. I do think that's important um, because they, a lot of them are beginning in the beginning stages of finding out that they're able to get the stuff. You know, um, right now they just passed a couple of laws as far as trying to make postpartum a part of a mental disability to where it, women aren't able to get a cannabis medical license or card and so just in general, I think um, letting them be able to go down your library and say, hey, what lighting can I use to not run my electricity bill up, obviously? What water type, you know, what filters can I use that are very affordable? Um, I found that a lot of the coffee filters, if you double them up because they're cheap, you can use. Obviously, those, that's a very novice, you know, <laughs> you know, that's a very novice way of doing it. But sure. I I did find that when we went out to buy some, I put like three or four together and then I put the um, a, a cheesecloth around that 
and then I tied it around the pipes and put it that and it worked just it caught all the debris and I was able to grind it up and make better food for the plants because I took all the debris put in a blender and put like some lime juice in there to keep it preserved and then those are just just certain things that I'm mentioning that we were able Carmel and I were able to do to kind of like recycle finances and just test sure. the water. And if you, um, another great recommendation along that lines is, you know, you talked about working with people from grow stores and, you know, there's, there's a lot that people can do for making their own nutrients. So if you look at like the episodes with Chris Trump, I think we've had him on two or three times now. Um, and Chris Trump's YouTube channel about KNF, which is basically all about using stuff around you, uh, to make your own nutrients for your own plants, um, is a, is another great avenue for people to go down. It's very inexpensive. And uh, especially if you're looking to, to save money, you can really create all of your nutrients from your own waste. That's what I do. Probably 90% of the nutrients that I grow with here, whether I'm growing cannabis or squash or broccoli or whatever it is, is all basically comes out of my worm bins um, and various things that I feed to them or ferments that I make like apple ferments because we have apple trees. Uh, we have figs, so figs, lots of blackberries, blackberries. Um, but pretty much any, whatever you have around you, like, uh, you know, blackberry bushes are one of the ones that are overlooked a lot because they're everywhere and, you know, nobody cares if you want to come and cut some down, but really in their different stages of growth, you, you can take most of the nutrients that you need throughout the year off of them. Um, whether you're talking about the little green tips uh, that you can cut off on new growth and you can um, make a fermented plant extract out of that. They'll give you a ton of nitrogen and growth hormones um, that will be great for, for veg. And then you have the fruit, which you can harvest later on and make ferments out of, which will then go back into your flowering plants. So there's definitely a, a number of different things that, that you can do. And those would be ones that I would look at. Steve, do we have anybody other like KNF people? I know Josh has done some stuff, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, and uh, Eric Weinart was on as well. I think I missed that episode, but yeah. Any, any of the KNF stuff, the Chris Trump, Eric Weinhardt, um, all, all those guys are, are great stuff. And, and it's really revolves around sustainability and um, saving money, making your own nutrients. Absolutely. So, I think about microbes as well. Um, cannabis plants need really good fungi. And um, even though it's a little expert, I feel like kind of dipping that into a lot, you know what, I think too, since women do a lot more of the cooking in the household, I feel like they're a lot smarter at growing than they realize. They just don't know the ingredients of the food, the food aspects of it. They're not really sure. science of like how much to add or what should, when should I add it? Um, and I feel like that's when it comes into communicating with the plants, watching them very closely. Plants will tell you exactly what they need they change colors, like this is what you need. They change this color, this is what you need. And so I do feel like a lot of them, if they knew that aspect, a lot of women would grow in their homes and just on a, on a novice trip, you know, to say, hey, I grew this, let's see how it turns out. And then they can trickle down from there. Sure, or like experimenting with different things that you can grow at the same time. Go ahead, Steve. We've cut you off like four times now, so. <laughs> Sorry. I was just gonna say, um, so, so tell us about, some of your work with aquaponic cannabis and what you've been doing, because you do a bunch of cool stuff and you're working on some books. Uh, you have one book out and you're working on another one soon. So tell us more about that. 
Yes. So I have started doing aquaponics on my own behalf. Um, we have kind of just played around with it. We started off with, like I told you on the, on the little small tip, the farm wise, we began with arugula. We started with little microgreens, like um, a little bit of wheatgrass. They didn't turn out too well on the wheatgrass. And I think that's because wheatgrass need a lot of the soil, what soil gives, um, but I'm still trying it. <laughs> you know, that's, it was trial and error. Um, as far as the cannabis, um, we are still, we're past novice, but we're in a stage where now we're getting a little bit more like, okay, so this works, this doesn't work. Um, so that's what we are. I own WeVibe and I kind of collaborated with my best friend and I, we started that, one of my best friends, we started that WeVibe for we and then vibe for women who vibe together on a cannabis tip. Um, and now we're at a point where we want to introduce, well, obviously we're introducing aquaponics to the women industry. And we wrote a book, which is <laughs> Strains for Astrology. And so Strains for Astrology kind of pinpoints in what strains are really good with your astrology sign or characteristics. Like what sign are you? I'm a Pisces. <laughs> <laughs> which she actually what the best friend that's on the farm she is too um carmel she's a pisces so you so guys I'm, I'm barely a capricorn i'm like four hours after the the switch off from sagittarius to capricorn oh so you're that you're on the cusp okay <laughs> i am yeah that's what it's i always forget what it's called it, it has a name too cusp of something yeah. sorry i'm not big into astrology but my wife is yeah. <laughs> well, we uh, we wrote a book on strains for astrology. Um, my best friend is a really big cannabis connoisseur, um, Cassia John. She does music and the art of cannabis and music together, how it actually helps it grow as well. Not just the scientific part, but how sound travels through. That looks good. <laughs> how sound, sound travels mm -hmm. through. And, um, and helps your cannabis grow because sound communicates with the Sound communicates with trees and trees communicate with us. And that's how we're able to live here. So I think she's more intricate on the intuitive side of it. Um, not just the scientific side. Obviously she grows too, but she's more like, okay, play this sound and your, your cannabis plants can be healed in this way. Very cool. And how long did, how did, how long did that take you guys to, to put together? We started WeVibe around like maybe three years ago. So we've been kind of dibbling in it for about three years now. Um, we had some successful grows and we had some failures as well. And I, I also think that a lot of cannabis connoisseurs don't really talk about their failures. They only talk about their um, successes. And with that being said, it's really important that we hit on that topic too. <laughs> like you're going to fail in this, like it's going to happen. You're gonna lose a lot of plants. It's gonna be frustrating because most of it's your time you putting your time in um but what we have to realize is plants can't talk so they can't really say hey guess what candace i i need more cow mag or i need more <laughs> you know potassium or i need more calcium or i need more whatever and they so kids before they can talk right like they're yeah. just trying that's all <laughs> they can do you're like are you hungry you know yeah. your diaper need to be changed are you too hot are you too cold you know, like it's, it's just taking care of a toddler, right? It is. And they, well, they, well, at least a toddler actually cries, but cannabis can't even do that. You know, trees can't do that. They just sit there. And yeah. so you're playing a mind game. You're essentially playing a mind game with the plant. 
<laughs> at some point you're figuring it out like, okay, <laughs> what might be wrong, you know? So it's not like we reinvented the wheel. They've been doing this before we were born, before our parents were born. Um, we have so many experts beyond us. We're just now coming into what they already knew and taking back to the Native American times where they had to grow cannabis. How did they grow really good cannabis on limited supply? I mean, they weren't scientists. They didn't have the chemicals and the, you know, the machines that we had. No grow stores, right? Yeah, they, didn't, no they didn't need botanic care back then. So I don't know why we need it now. There's none of that. So, <laughs> so how was, how, how, how was this effective towards their life? Like, how did they grow some of the best? And I feel like once you get back to the basics of that, then you have kind of mastered growing already, to be honest about it. That's how I feel. Everything else is glamorous. It's like, you know, it's like dressing up. You put on a suit and it's like, you look good, but now you have to do your nails, your hair, you know? So it is, we dressed it up. That's all it is. We put a, a big glamorous ball around it. And it was like, oh, you can make it look like this. You can make it look like that. Right. Which is fun. Which is really just a way to profit off of it, right? Like if we convince you that we can sell you this bottle of magic stuff that will make your plants grow, or we'll sell you this magic bottle of stuff that'll make your hair look nice, either way, it's still to make them money. Like that's what I call the commercial industry versus like the actual cannabis industry. Because in the cannabis industry, you've got all kinds of exciting stuff that's happening with discovering new cannabinoids and terpene combinations and profiles. And there's like a whole level of more of like what I consider maybe the botany aspect of just like loving the plant itself. And then you have the commercial industry, which is created out of it, which has all of those products that, that want to sell you high price stuff to, to make money. So just like the, the best thing to do in the gold rush was to sell pickaxes and gold cans. It's kind of <laughs> the same thing with the cannabis industry right now is that it's way easier for people that know nothing about actual cannabis to make money if they create an industry of products that they can sell. And that's that's really what it comes down to right there for me anyway. That's the commercial side of it. I feel like I have a I feel like I have a great balance. When I started We Vibe, we began with that mentality as well. I think see going into it, CJ and I knew, and we've had people come in and out of the situation too. We've had a couple of business partners that it didn't really work out because I feel like they were more into the commercial cannabis side opposed to the actual healing side, what we were trying to accomplish. And that's a conflict of interest when it comes to finances, getting profits, because at the end of the day, the name of the game is to make money. I get it. We're in 2020, obviously the world is getting more expensive. So if you're gonna do this, why not profit heavily from it? Which brings me to the fact of how much money that they made last year. So I drew some stats and I feel like I wanted to share it with you guys on a standpoint of how I want to make it more realistic because a lot of people are numbers. And so in the California Times on the actual website in California, you can go to the, um, the Department of Agriculture and type in cannabis and go into their newsfeed and they can tell you actually how much taxes were getting paid to them for legal cannabis grow, cultivation, dispensaries, et cetera, et cetera. So they made 342 million in total in tax revenue. So out of that 342 million, 82 million were the second quarter and 108 million in the third quarter. So the 103 million was in the tax re revenue for the final of the 2018, I'm sorry, 2019. So they made this at the end, well, like from November to December, basically. 
And only 17% of that were women, but they weren't on, they never owned the actual company. They were on the board of directors of the company. There's a difference between owning an actual company and on the board of directors of an actual company. <laughs> so the difference for those who are watching that don't know is when you're on the board of directors, your name is nowhere on the profitable, profitable revenue scale. Basically, you're getting a salary and you have no say so. You get told what to do. Um, as far as the small percentage that actually own the company, we are paying, that's partial of our taxes as well. Are we paying partial of that 340 million? Yes, obviously we are. But for us to be a small percentage and spend so much money in it because we hold the most diseases, do you understand the, the numerical balance I'm trying to get here? Like basically we're spending the most on cannabis, but we don't own any cannabis companies. We're just buying other people cannabis products for our problems. So I think, I think that's a really big thing of why we've kind of went into educating women on how to get your foot in the door and collaborating with individuals like you guys to watch these videos, learn a little bit more and really step in and find out what can you do, what laws are accessible to you as who you are and whatever's wrong with you. Some people suffer from MS. Multiple seriosis is predominantly in, in a woman disease, you know, and that's, that's really big. Um, bone disease. It's a number of things that we offer that say, hey, you can grow your own organic weed and heal yourself pretty much. I mean, not heal yourself, but help your situation. And yes, essentially heal yourself. Get, get effective medication without the pharmaceutical cost. Right. So, you know, that's one of the popular things on, on many different ailments, like, um, like even just all the way down to just lotion for things like arthritis. You know, yeah. there's a number of people that have come out and talked about how how uh, much money they save um, and, and get better results with a lotion that they can rub onto their hands as opposed to uh, medications that they have prescribed to them and had to pay for, um, you know, that save, saving literally thousands of dollars a year by, by switching to cannabis and getting better relief. So it was like, yeah. you know, a win-win. And, and I think that's ultimately what they're you know, what the business people are, are afraid of in the pharmaceutical industry. So I think that there's another thing to remember is like, yeah, there might be, a, you know, two separate industries. And for someone like me, you know, like maybe I don't necessarily relate with the, the commercial side of things, but it doesn't mean that, that uh, compassionate people aren't needed in, in that space. If you have experience in business, guess what? There's a lot of weed growers that don't have experience in business and may not even know what the function of a board of directors is. And a lot of times those people that come out of, say, the black market, where <clears throat> the, in terms of business, it's been relatively simple, right? Like you grow what you can, you pay your trimmers, you sell your product, and you keep what's left. And to them, that is business, right? Like that's the extent of how far it went for them. And uh, now, you, you know, things get way more complicated once you get to a certain level. So, you know, don't think that just because you don't know anything about growing weed doesn't mean you can't get involved with with cannabis. You know, like there's a whole industry that you can get into as a as a lawyer, as a CEO, as a CPA, as a you know, like there's a whole whole uh, industry that includes a number of different professionals that you can you can get involved with. And um, maybe you're not going to be a grower right away. Maybe that's your your long term goal, or maybe you just want to do something that you feel like, uh, you know 
is is more beneficial to to patients like maybe you're somebody who's a like a nurse practitioner or something and you can just start becoming an advocate for cannabis in your own space where you're at and not necessarily have to change everything but you know we we need everybody on board we don't just need people to grow it's great to grow for yourself and if you've got the means to and the desire then great we, you know like you'll find you won't find a more welcoming community than cannabis growers um and and you know aside from the haters so we'll see um see how that goes they're always out there but uh um i do think that because there are multiple industries to get into it's a common misconception that you you, you have to know how to grow it to be involved at all. And it's just not the case. You can, you can switch over. And a lot of them are making a lot of money, paying good wages, having good benefits. You know, there's quality jobs in that space too. Right. And I think, you know, like you were saying, you don't have to. I feel, I do feel like there is, I, I do feel like there is some torque, there has to be some sort of understanding the cannabis industry though. Because what happens is a lot of, individuals will go in the cannabis industry and want a instant profit in a certain amount of time. And that's unrealistic according, like growers know that things happen. It takes like things will happen. <laughs> Sometimes you'll grow a hundred plants and you're like, yes, we're almost there. And at the last two days of the plants, like something comes in and completely wipes your whole fleet out. And it's not the end of the world because when you went in it, you do understand like this is what happens. It's a plant. It's not something we made up, it's nature and nature controls essentially itself. And so I feel like there is a borderline of some people being educated on the cannabis industry at some form before you actually invest that much money in it as well. I feel like on the contract basis, a lot of, in, a lot of growers, before you become legal growers, make people sign contracts. I do think that that's lacked in the cannabis industry a lot make them understand that, hey, this is what we have to do. This is this might happen. This huge list right here is a big list of what might happen. You could be the most expert in the entire world. I mean, hell, I mean, catalogs is, you know, look what they do, but they don't win all the time. They, they lose bigger than they win. So um, I do feel like that that's a great point that AP Meds made. Um, but in addition to that, I do feel like the education basis and the knowledge of figuring out the cannabis industry, how it works, um, what's, be, what's going on in there, when this harvest, as far as what's being done with their plants, will trickle down to the banking, to the corporate side, to the finances, to the um, CPAs, to the political side. I do feel like that's that's the start of it. You can't just go in there and say, hey, I'm gonna be a CPA or a lawyer for cannabis and you have no fucking idea <laughs> how, how, what even happens. <laughs> like that doesn't, that doesn't go. You at least need some form of organized thought about, okay, so, oh, so this is the basic of it. You need flour and water to make biscuits. Oh, great, yes, sweetheart. You can't just go in there and snap your fingers and the biscuits are made. So <laughs> that, I think that's where our point comes in as far as like the, the, government and the financial side of it yes well, and, and on that point too you know right now you have the 0.3 percent hemp uh issues with them wanting 0.3 percent decarboxylated and it doesn't really look like that's going to change for the next two years which sucks for a lot of people but there isn't much genetics out there and even then you could have genetics that are do test out that and then you grow them like we're going to be growing a bunch of of hemp and cannabis out here in zimbabwe and 
I, I you know, we're, we're hoping the hemp comes in below 0.3%, right? So, but I don't know for a fact that it will until we actually do a couple runs here. And because the climate's different, the angle of the sun is different, the temperatures are different, the soil is different. The, the soil here is naturally high in uh, manganese, which really helps increase THC synthase uh, or the expression of those genes. Um, so anyone growing an aquaponic cannabis, make sure your molybdenum and your manganese are in the right range or it will inhibit the, the potential THC levels uh, of your cannabis. And uh, these, these are things that, you know, really um, you have to focus on if you're looking, you know, another thing would be like um, a lot of people want color, purple, blues, yellows, oranges. Um, if your molybdenum isn't dialed in, and, and to be honest with you, even into a slightly toxic toxic level, uh, we've talked about you know running at one to two ppm's before in, in multiple episodes. Um, but what when you have these high molybdenum, and actually the plant will produce extra anthocyanin to bind that extra molybdenum to pull it out of its tissue, um, and you can actually use that uh, to ex or exploit that um, uh, pro pro chemical process in order to increase the color of your cannabis. Uh, if you're looking strictly for, for sales appeal. So there's a lot of different things that, that go into planning with your grows, choosing the right strains. And uh, that, I think, um, breaking it down to them, I think in layman terms of saying, I understand what you're saying, but breaking it down to someone of a woman going into it, say, hey, I don't know what that means. You can kind of say, hey, okay, basically what I'm saying is use X, Y, and Z on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and then make sure at this time or check your PPI levels. And this is the device that you use to check your PPI levels. Those are novice situations that I mean, helping them understand that you're right. Everybody sees the colors, like they want the blue and the greens. They're like, oh my God, I want my stuff to looks like this. So on the black market and even in dispensaries, they come in with this fictitious amount of knowledge saying like, hey, I saw I saw a red and green bud. <laughs> do you have anything that looks like that? And it's like, normally a lot, you don't get that. And if you do, you have to specifically go to the actual company who has a trademark in that or who has the patent for that seed. But for the, for the people on the regular basis in the community, absolutely not. A lot of individuals don't know that. So, um, so to everyone who's watching who is not aware of what he's talking about, um, there are videos of his of his um, podcast where you can actually go back down and figure out what he means by that. So we're talking about some of the micronutrients that are often not found in the proper ranges in aquaponics, and you don't have a lot of other people that actually gen like. There's a lot of armchair experts in aquaponics, and they have they just don't understand the the chemistry on it, and and that's perfectly fine. But they shouldn't go out and and. And, and anyways, so uh, my, so in layman's terms, um, if you're having problems with your lettuce production, so you have a red lettuce, this is a very common issue uh, having done lots of vegetable production um, and you have red lettuce and it doesn't come in to, uh, with enough, um, uh, uh, it's not coming up red, it's not coming up purple or, you know, maybe your broccoli isn't coming up purple, your kale isn't coming up that, that extra color. Um, you can get sodium molybdenate, which is a, a micronutrient, and um, you can dose that in very small levels. Um, I'd have to look it up real quick on my charts here. Uh, I'll, I'll pull it up while we're talking, but um, you can dose that in very small doses to actually fix that problem and increase your um, uh, your molybdenum levels, which will, will help with that anthocyanin production, and, and then you'll have your lettuces back. So let me just, I got the chart pulled up here. Let me just scroll down. 
So if you're looking for a good dose for molybdenum, just to help everybody out since you brought it up, you're looking at around um, uh, 0.2 grams per 100 gallons um, uh, in order to increase that to the levels that you would normally want to. Um, you know, if you're doing a, a large system, so 0 0.02 grams per, per um, 100 gallons. And then if you're looking at a thousand, you know, you're looking at right around 0.2. Yeah. Thank you for breaking that down for individuals. But I think that's, um, you'll probably hit that issue when they begin to grow on a mass per scale like you grow. Um, you guys grow on a commercial level. So that does make sense for them to, as the more you get into it, the more it actually makes sense. Um, on our level, we try to keep the level down to growing 10 to 20 plants. Something sure. Control in their the garage or their home, um, and then but actually I think they could even if you're looking at grams, it's a teaspoon for um, a 150 gallon water basically. So what you're saying, you wouldn't put it, you guys, you wouldn't put it where your fish is. You would put it like essentially on the. <laughs> so, so sodium molybdenate actually has no impact on the fish, especially given the, the the small dosing we're doing. So you could just sprinkle that in, you know, mainly in your sump tank, but anywhere that that you think. Uh, gets the most agitation, put it right in front of the sump, the pump intake. So when it trickles down, it gets pumped through the filter and mixed up uh, or simply mix it up in a, in a uh, pitcher of water. Um, if, if there are other people um, uh, listening that have smaller systems that like, like the ones that you work with quite a, quite a lot, um, there's a great website called True Aquaponics who, who has specific dosing for all different sizes, smaller systems and things like that for a wide range of different micronutrients. So if you're struggling with a plant problem or a nutrient deficiency problem, that he, he's a really good resource for that. And um, him and I also have a subscription service that we do for commercial farms where you can sign up for a monthly service and we will test your water and send you custom formulated nutrients uh, right to your farm. And you can check out more information on that on trueaquaponics.com. But um, uh, they are a, a great resource, especially for smaller um, uh, people. You know, he has a lot of stuff designed for just like a single IBC setup or, you know, just a 200 gallon setup or some of the smaller stuff that I know that you've, you've worked with quite a bit. Yes, definitely. Um, and we, so obviously you guys definitely check him out on that end. Um, what we are great at doing is coming in your home and basically measuring the space and saying, hey, how many, we let you know how many you can grow. Um, I think the first step is to going down to the food and agriculture department. Um, and I think it is, it's called the 99 plant script. So what you would do is contact your doctor according to what is wrong with you or what ailments you may have or diseases you may be facing. Um, contact your doctor and let him know that you're really wanting to medicinally grow your entire fleet of what your medicine in, entails. Um, if you're taking medication, I wouldn't completely go cold turkey because your body is an adaptive, which means it adapts to whatever you give it. And so that being said, you can make yourself more sick by just going cold turkey. I would kind of wean yourself off of it. And after you begin to grow, then you start to, you know, consume your own product and then you wean yourself off of whatever medications you're on. Um, but the 99 plant script is something your doctor will give you and you take it to the food and agriculture department, fill out your paperwork and, you know, just and go from there. Um, what my friends and I do, we just come in your home we measure the space and then we let you know how many plants you can. We give you, you know, a list and then it's up to you. We are not 
holding your hand. It's up to you to log on to uh, Potent Ponics and other podcasts and, you know, take their advice on what to do for what's wrong with your plant, kind of follow that. And it's fairly easy. Like it's, it's extremely amazing. And once you get, it's just success is addictive. Once you get a successful flea, it is. Success is one of the most addictive drugs um, that we produce ourselves mentally and emotionally. So once you get to a point where you're successfully growing and producing amazing product, you just get higher in the food chain. And then that's when you chime on to Potent Ponics again to say, hey, I want to grow 20 or 25 or hey, my you know, my plant looks weird. <laughs> it's starting to turn orange. <laughs> what can I do? And most of the time, there's always answers there for you. So what are some of the um, pros and cons that you run into growing uh, aquaponics? Wow. Recently, um, and secretively, we ran into <laughs> the fish. So the type of fish that we decided to do, I did a dual tank. So one tank was uh, 250 and the other tank was about 80 gallons. And the 80 gallons had a couple of goldfish in there and the 250 gallon may have had like some koi or um, trout is hard to find depending on where you are. So I would just, I would just use koi. If, if you want to eat your fish then trout is good, you know, then you save on dinner. But um, as far as like just starting off, just start off with koi or, or goldfish. And I noticed that the goldfish poop and koi poop essentially is an overwhelming amount of poop. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so that didn't go too well, actually. Um, that was something that was probably like a very novice, a very not smart decision to mix it together. So as the, as some of your pipes are leading to the drip system, as far as like the drip on top, um, I noticed that they were getting clogged and they were getting clogged because I had two mounts of, of poop of coming in at the same time with one filter and the koi poops more than the goldfish. Their poops are bigger actually. So the clog is what I was running into more or less. And I have a friend, we actually are in, we're in his garage and I have a friend that's actually helping me through the process too, as well as I'm growing with time. Um, but even he was like, we probably shouldn't like collaborate the goldfish and the koi at the same time. We should pick one fish and not a collaboration of fish. Yeah, and um, um, tilapia are also another really great choice for people that are a little more bulletproof. Um, uh, trout definitely can be a little bit finicky sometimes. Um, so the tilapia are, are really wonderful, uh, although you do have to watch your legality, especially in California, it varies widely from county to county. So and it, it, the counties where it can live in, it's legal, and the counties where it can't live in, it's not, so it doesn't make any sense. Tilapia? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that um, California just has finicky, you just have to go on their website. I think it's safe to say that you have to check their legalization page like every other week or something, because... There's something always changing. Um, some of the other cons that we ran into, obviously, is um, during the flowering stage, which is very, very hard to decipher. Sometimes when the veg stage is the most fun. Like you have an amazing time during the veg stage. But what happens is in a short amount of time dealing with aquaponics, your plants are ready to transfer into the veg stage. So for people who don't know aquaponics, the turnover rate is extremely fast. 
So um, what we ran into is overcrowding. Um, you're not just like you would do it in a soil base, you would have your um, separation and make sure they had enough room in the greenhouse or your indoor. The same has to happen in the aquaponics, which we did not expect. And so that, uh, that was another novice mistake that we obviously made. And so the overcrowding was, it was just a little bit too much, pretty much. Um, they do need some space, obviously. Yep, just, just depends. And then also balancing your nitrate load. If your nitrates get too high, you'll end up with uh, inhibiting your cannabis growth. It'll stunt the flowers and it'll, they'll, your plants will stretch quite a bit uh, if you have too much nitrate. So if you are a, a beginner to aquaponics, make sure you don't get your nitrates too high, especially in flower. It really can be um, quite, quite a problem um, if it's too high, for sure. No, and that's pretty much what we are. Um, I think we're we're really really simple with it. I don't think it's we try not to make things too complicated, especially in the fact that we're still growing, and there's nothing wrong with that. We're making all the mistakes that we can make, and so we become better and better. Um, watching some of your videos, I really did educate me on when to kind of flower, how to separate the room on flowering, um, because black a black sheet probably wouldn't go well. Um, I think just having a blackout is, is really important um, of transferring between the veg and the, it's, it's a lot different than the soil. I can say that because they rapidly are growing so quickly. That's the problem. So with soil, you have time to prepare your mix, your mix ups and your fuck ups. But in aquaponics, you really don't have that much time to keep doing that. You have to really understand like, oh, okay, so this is what's happening. Let me rapidly have this, you know, fix after that so absolutely um so uh let me look back at our notes here um uh you so what other aspects do you consider when you're working on some of these um residential systems um you know is it you, you know factoring in ceiling height or what are some of the different things that you have to think about um, sure weight support is uh, an issue too in some of the cali homes eh yeah <laughs> yeah when you're doing them in your homes um and you're doing aquaponics obviously the plants can get pretty high just like you know anything else if you're doing aquaponics in your greenhouse you have not only the rapid growth from the water but you have the sun giving it a little boost as well if you're doing it indoor you can actually do pretty fairly well in your garage i would say a garage or an outdoor shed would be ideal i wouldn't I wouldn't do it too much in your in your house in your rooms because with the water it can get a little messy. Um, we found that out the hard way, but <laughs> that is one of those mistakes. Like, okay, well, this is a lot of water, <laughs> but um, yeah. So that would be the height would be at least like eight to twenty five feet. I would say. Um, I'm not quite sure. What do you guys refer as well? Like, what do you prefer to? So I, I had a chance to work on a couple of systems. There's a really cool um, kit from Hanging Hydro. That's a grow tent that you can actually plumb to a, an in-home aquarium if you're looking for just growing one or two plants and you have a 55-gallon aquarium or larger. Um, but you're not going to really, like you were saying, you're not going to do a big grow like in your spare bedroom. You know, that's aquaponics. And that, certainly not if it's a second floor grow just because of the weight of the water and everything can be you know, you need to have an engineer come in or, or a general contractor at least and look at it and see. Um, there's a couple of tricks you can do to get around that. You know, if you do want to put something heavier in, in a particular place, um, 
Oh, someone, someone, I, I posted the link and it says uh, that the book is $1,426. That's because it's in Zimbabwean. I will fix the link so it's in the US. Um, it is $1,400 in Zimbabwean, but it's actually only like, I think, whatever, 15 or 20 bucks US. So uh, the exchange rate here is like 24 to 1. So I apologize for that, uh, or more than that. So it's a, we'll get that fixed. Uh, that is not the USD price. Which I thought was really funny, uh, just because someone said that in chat. But um, uh, I lost my train of thought on that one. Oh, oh! So the way the way to get around the weight issues. So if you if you do need to have something more heavy, uh, aquarium wise, or you're trying to pull off a grow in a spare bedroom in a second story, um, you can actually build a platform that spans from wall to wall so that you can get that weight across as many joists as possible. We used to do that to put bigger aquariums uh, into second story floors. Um, obviously there's a, a limit to that as well, but you can put, you know, a 90 gallon aquarium or even a 120 gallon aquarium, a six foot aquarium into a second story room, as long as you build a sub platform that braces it across extra joists and the house isn't super old. Uh, most of the time you can get that to work. People who are in, if you, got, if you guys are in an apartment, that is what he's referring to. Not everybody has a house here. Um, so if you're in a condo and apartment, that's really important please do not put any more than a hundred gallon water. Um, water is extremely heavy. And if you want to find out how heavy, put something bigger and it'll tear a hole in the bottom floor. So, so it'll, so that, please do not do that. Um, stick to hundred, 150 gallons. Um, it's, that's fairly heavy, but it, you don't want to, you don't want to crack the floor because most apartment buildings or condos hold up to what, like a thousand? No, I think a little bit more than that. And that would take a lot of weight down according to like your kitchen or whatever else is in your house that you have a lot of weight on. So that's just FYI what he's speaking about. So go ahead. Oh, sorry about that. Oh, I didn't realize I was on mute. I've been talking to myself. I said, I was just trying to fix the, uh, no, it's okay. the proper link on. Um, yeah, it, it's, um, is there anything that you, uh, anything else that you've learned uh, getting started growing aquaponic cannabis or is there any um, other pointers you have for people getting started? Um, yeah, we've learned a lot actually, um, but I think it, it's just too much to say, obviously, <laughs> you know, um, your videos pretty much, you guys, anything you watch in Potent Connect's videos is pretty much what we've learned from episode one to 30. So 30 being, I think I watched 30 or 34, I think it was, where you were speaking about um, the deficiency in, in the flowering stage and what can happen if, you, if you're not aware of what to give them. And that's more that's more or less you guys just watching a video and kind of going with the flow. We specialize in going with the flow as well, but what we really specialize is building out the space for you to make this passive income. Um, that's what we're more educated on as far as getting you started. And then, like I said, stated before, after you get started, um, we're obviously we're good at stage one through five. And then after that, you're pretty much on your own where, where it's, it's, it's up to you to learn by yourself as well. So I think that's really important. I'm not really a person that holds people hand during the process. I think it's really important for them to fail and, you know, 
the ups and downs of it. A lot of people want to go into it and say, hey, I just want to grow really good dank so I can, <laughs> so I can smoke. And it's like, well, that's not going to happen right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> so you're going <laughs> to, it's going to happen eventually, but it won't be today. <laughs> like maybe. And you can, you can definitely have a decent run your first, your first grow, but you know, I remember how proud I was and I harvested that plant too early and like, it wasn't anything particularly great to look at, but I was so damn proud of it. And in looking back at some of, even the early aquaponics stuff I was doing compared to what we do now, is just so night and day. So make sure you document that so you can see how far you've come from where you began and, and everything else. And, uh, and uh, you know, can observe your own growth. Our first, um, our first grow was really good, um, but we use soil and then in the aquaponics, um, a lot of issues had went to play and now we're now we're a little bit more educated on what to do and what not to do, especially in the space. Um, it's it's really hard in the veg stage, I think is the most difficult um, because you're transitioning from you have to do a flush. Now a lot of people are like, well, how do you do a flush with aquaponics? Isn't that like the purpose of it? And we do a clean flush, which we switch out the filter. So you switch out the filter to the other tank where there's nothing in the tank. It's just water running all the way through and flush it out. That's kind of essentially how we do our flush. I don't know if you have any other advice towards like, do you do flushes or do you just kind of transfer it out to another? So so um, the only thing we'll do as far as flushing is maybe the last two or three weeks of flour we'll dose with just a sugar water, it's just to power, you know, get those microbes to really power through any soil any nutrients that are left in there um but um yeah generally we don't really worry about flushing we're not do in aquaponics you don't really have those excessively high nutrients that you really need to purge out when you with hydroponics you're running stuff way higher than the plant actually ever needs and that's one of the biggest reasons to flush is to get them to kind of uh mobilize those nutrients into places where they're not just accumulating it because um, certain ones can taste quite bad. No, yeah, that's, that's really good. So we'll try that. You know, we'll try not to flush next time and see how they turn out. Um, what we did this last time is we did do a flush. We just switched out the filter and we did straight water. And then we transferred into the other fish tank of the koi and was like, okay, so let's start it all over again. And then we transferred into veg. So. Cool. Awesome. Um, was there anything else you wanted to mention before we wrap up the show? No, I think I'm really grateful that you had us on. Thank you so very much. Um, and I appreciate people like yourself that come together. And this is the entirety of educating people on what's going on. And thank you for letting me introduce a lot of women issues on your podcast. So I really appreciate that. Awesome. Yeah, it was nice to have someone on uh... From that side of things we haven't had a lot of people come on and talk about women empowerment and aquaponics and and cannabis and uh it was really cool to see somebody out there going out there and doing it especially in california that really needs it even with their uh insane stack of laws right now that they're, even the governor just realized was it yesterday or the day before that shit, we, we actually might need to change these laws if we're going to actually get the black market to remote <laughs> have an impact so um, it's going to be interesting to see what Gavin Newsom does. Now, if we can just get Gavin Newsom to call off the $100 million in uh, raids that they've been doing in Northern California that were completely fucking asinine, then then we'll be okay. But uh, I guess we can start with taxation and, and move up there. I think, you know, I think it's in politics, it's a, it's a rat race because if they, it's all about having your legalization for paying taxes. But the problem that I'm finding in California, and obviously it's hitting everywhere, is the fact that 
um, they want they would like to control where you cultivate as well. Like it's only a certain amount of feet the plants can be away. It's only a certain amount of square footage your greenhouse can be. And then they could pop up at any time. And so, and it's also rotation. Like if you get a license to grow a thousand plants or, you know, 5,000 to 10,000 plants, that's include, a lot of people don't understand that that's including the teenagers, that's including your babies, that's including all of that in retrospect. And so I don't, I don't feel like it's fair on that because you're getting taxed for something that you haven't even sold yet. And so if you have a bit, it has to go through the growing process in order for you to reach that point. And so that's when you just reach out to different lawyers and see, like you said, and just kind of see where you can go from there. But you're right, hopefully. That, that exact point is one of the big things they actually talked about repealing a couple of days ago was getting rid of some of the cultivation taxes because it's, the, the effective tax rate in California, for those of you guys who don't know, is like 82%. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's completely ridiculous and, and they have to fix it. And, you know, it doesn't, you, you have a great example right next door. Nevada actually made over double their expected tax revenue um, because they actually taxed it. And I mean, it's not totally sane, but it's a lot, a much better tax regimen and they made double the tax revenue. So, yeah. And we, and you know, they're figuring it out. I feel like that's why I'm encouraging more women to do it because, um, a lot of the times you get less tax. I mean, just the truth behind it is if you get less tax, the less you grow. So if you're doing your in-home grow or you have land, a lot of guys, your wives, let your wives get involved, you know, um, especially if they're suffering from any type of ailments because they don't really tax situation that has to do with disease or ailments. So that's your loophole. You understand what I mean? Like, that's like the time where you can like, oh, okay, well, I can grow 20 to 55 plants still kind of threading the line <laughs> so so we're going around the system i don't know <laughs> i don't know if that's okay or not to tell people right now on this podcast but that's that's where i'm just gonna be honest like i'm just keeping it g you know like no it's it's true though like the black market's alive and well in california because the tax regimen is completely asinine and not only that they're not issuing permits to the people that have been doing this a long time you know, they explicitly tried to box them out and then they allowed the stacking of the 2B licenses, which were the 10,000 square foot when they were supposed to limit all cultivation to 20, was it 22,000 or 24,000 with the class three license and, and completely ripped it apart uh, and backstabbed all the small growers and, and didn't issue license. You have whole counties that abandoned. No county, local control needs to be abolished entirely for cannabis. I, they don't, they, there's no local control for bars. There's no local control for pharmacies. What about the opioid? When, when was I allowed to vote on the opioid dispensary down the street? Oh, yeah. Please tell me when I was allowed to vote on that because that kills people. I should, I should be able to say my local pharmacy can't have opioids. If they can say it, I can't have cannabis. This yeah. is absolutely ridiculous. And some of the cities have began to speak out and you're right, local votation on cannabis. I didn't feel like it was very important as well. Like you take Malibu for instance, or uh, Ventura. Ventura is one of those that voted no, but that was a lot of their local homeowners and landowners. It, it had nothing to do with the California state or city. And I think that was unfair that they allowed people who have no idea about the entirety of what cannabis is to have a say-so to say, hey, we don't want cannabis here because you have a fictitious view of what cannabis people look like. Well, uh, last time I checked the opioid <laughs> strung out on opioids I know what they look like you know and no and it's not funny it's sad I'm not laughing at in 
and particularly I'm not laughing at anybody who's strung out on opioids. I'm just saying, you're right. I didn't vote for opioids because I wouldn't have because I see what happens. I see how many lives of young people it's taking. Um, just give them a join and call it a day. But, <laughs> you know, like, I don't, I don't think. Yeah, and there was a, uh, not this week, but last week's episode of Hash Church, uh, he had a guest to op to start it off with. Uh, that was, you know, all to only all he did was talk about how he's been working in in Vancouver. I don't remember the gentleman's name, but he's been working in Vancouver, um, basically giving cannabis to opioid addiction addicts to, to help them replace it when they're and he goes, you know what, they don't they, they hold on to it. And then the day that they run out and they're freaking out and their dealer doesn't answer their phone, that's when they make the switch. And and, uh, you know, thank God we have people out there like that that are, are doing fighting the good fight and. I know we, we, we've done a couple uh, episodes from the Castro Castle and Wayne Justman and, um, you know, uh, Dennis Perone's uh, Surviving Brothers and things like that. And um, if it wasn't for those guys, we wouldn't even have what we have today, you know, and, um, yeah. you know, it, it's and really good. And too, um, I love that you're shouting them out. Um, as far as the impact with myself, I would say I haven't had any real scare of health issues. Um, but I will say I've ran into just a lot of different people who have, you know, like Milana Wellness. Um, there's a young lady, African-American lady as well, um, which also ran into, um, she had brain cancer and her brain cancer actually turned into a lot of the spreading of, of everywhere else. And so she, instead of taking the meds, which had her like completely messed up in the head, they ended up, she ended up healing herself through her, her wellness company, Milana Wellness, I, I hope she's watching right now, but I think it's an inspirational story to see her hooked up to all these machines and now see her, you know, back surfing. Um, Somebody in chat also brought up, hey, what about Florida's pill dispensaries? You know, for those of you that don't know, Florida, you can get a script for like psychotically high amounts of pills. And a lot of the pills from the country come from Florida and those pill mills. Um, and yeah, that's another great point is that, you know, if we're going to talk about local control, I'll, let's talk about local control. Let's talk about banning opioids and, and, you know, let's ha let's us have a vote on that. You know, let, let's make that part of the conversation before we ever talk about cannabis, which has never killed a single human being in the history of the world. So, yeah, it, it so, also, also is the psycho, the psychoanalysis of the mind because, but I feel like that happens when you've already had a tainted amount of pills in your system. I do feel like there are some type of pills that, in moderation, let me say this, because um, when, you do, when you're dealing with mental disabilities and psycho disabilities, I, I feel like, or psycho issues, I feel like there is a fine line between helping someone balance their life. The problem is the amount of pills they do take. And so sometimes in that vicinity, cannabis can trigger um, a disorder of bipolar or depression, um, but also the pills too. They can, I mean, the pills can trigger it. I'm not a pill, like I'm not a pill supporter, but I do understand that cannabis can trigger that. So cannabis will trigger, we've actually had a, I forget which guest it was that was on and talked about this, but I think it was, was it Wade Laughter? Maybe it wasn't Wade. No, it wasn't Wade. It was, um, I forget who it was, but they talked about how um, if you already have schizophrenia or bipolar it, in a very minute percentage, like 1% of people, it can, it can kind of 
bring that to the forefront, but there's actually certain cannabinoids now, and I think this goes to um, the amazingness of the plant that they're finding are using, that if you strip those out and just use these certain sets of cannabinoids actually can really help people with schizophrenia and, and bipolar. It's just, if you're just railing high amounts of THC, that's probably not the best thing for you, right? Um, we also talked about like with Wade Laughter, um, about the different terpenes making a huge effect for children that, uh, and other people that are taking it for epilepsy. You know, you don't, if you're taking up something for epilepsy, you don't want a sativa high in pinene and um, uh, beta carfenol and, um, you know, uh, uh, what's the other one? Uh, terpinaline. Those are really racy. That Those are going to cause an increase in seizures. And you're not, even if you take that with CBD and THC in a one-to-one, it's gonna, it's still gonna, you're gonna have seizures or have more seizures. But if you take it with, um, and he talks about the different ones, I don't remember the exact ones, but there's other terpenes that if it has those in it and not the three that I just mentioned, um, it will actually really help um, people with epilepsy. And even people that didn't respond initially with cannabis, they're finding certain terpene combinations can also uh, greatly help reduce those seizure uh, potential. So um, there's still so much we're learning about this plant science that in going down the rabbit hole that um, I think that, you know, you're going to see different you know, parts, parts of it broken out into, you know, different types of health, health related issues. Absolutely. I do feel like um, you're right. The, the betaine part of cannabis, I think they found in um, certain parts of teas as well. So it's, to you guys, it's not just cannabis. It, if you have, obviously, if you're already schizophrenic, you're not going to drink certain things. You know, I think it comes with health as well is educating people on what's wrong with them and what foods to stay away from. Um, a cannabis plant is not an alienated plant. There are other, there's sister plants out there. Lavender, they found that lavender cannabis plant shares a lot of similarities. Um, a lot of different teas and exotic plants, herbs, I'm sorry, a, a lot of exotic herbs share the same bio as a cannabis plant we're just unaware of it and uneducated about the situation and the science part about it. Just because you see cannabis and there's so much hype around that, it's a mental hype. That's like saying, oh, well, you go outside on a Friday and this is going to happen. After so many years of hearing that, you're always going to believe that. It's like the telephone effect. You tell one person and it, the story switches all the way around. That's not true. A, a cannabis plant is a regular plant. There's other sister plants like it. It's the veg stage. If you was to drink a cannabis leaf, it would just do the same thing as a lavender plant if you put lavender in your tea. The veg stage, letting a, cannab a, a cannabis plant flower, it, it's a transformation that would makes it the, the active from psychoactive to non-active. And I think that's where people get it all twisted. Um, there are plenty of herbs and teas that we drink that changes our alteration of our mental as well. So I'm really trying to take away the stigma of it being a cannabis plant and just calling it just a plant. Cool. Well, is there anything else you wanted to say here to, to wrap things up and then, uh, and then tell everybody how to find you and, uh, and your books and stuff? Yes. So you can find um, Strains for Astrology. We're now iBooks, thanks to Apple. Thank you, Apple, <laughs> for participating and cooperating finally. Um, and we are Kindle, so strains for astrology and its characteristics. It's a basic book, you guys. Don't go into it thinking like, oh, it's my moon sign, what's my sun sign, what's my rising. I did basic characteristics, and a lot of the characteristics I think people find within themselves that, hey, I'm an overthinker and I'm a creator. What strains are really good for me? 
Um, and then obviously on Codeponics, I support this guy very much. So follow him and he follows some of the most amazing people as well. In the back of my glossary, I do have seed, the seed banks. Um, they are offering certain percentage offs for their seeds, um, especially if you let them know that, you know, Strange for Astrology, we vibe, um, W-E-E-V as in Victor, I-B underscore on Instagram. If you let them know that we referred you, they actually would be more than, more than happy to offer you a discount um, because they're in our book. So we really appreciate you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Awesome. Yeah, and I appreciate you taking the time to come on and join us. Um, uh, so I'll do like two minutes on what I've been up to. So we've just been getting everything running out here in Zimbabwe and um, getting our, uh, I feel like every time we get all of our seed paperwork sorted out, they give us a new one. But I think we're finally done with all that um, this week, which was good. And then um, found a really awesome high pining sativa, um, which was really cool. Um, so we're going to work with that a little bit and see what we can kind of pull out of those, um, which is super, super stoked on. And then um, got a chance to travel around and see some farms. Um, no one would let me film yet, but I will get some um, opportunity here in the next two weeks to film some local stuff. Um, they have uh, have to be careful about their legalities and stuff. So um, we might uh, trickle those out maybe on a little bit of a time delay just to, to protect them. But uh, but we'll, we'll have some of that. And then uh, we'll, we should be planting here in one to two weeks, fingers crossed. Um, uh, we're just finishing up irrigation and everything that like right now, setting up our um, some stuff for ferments and some IMO collection, I already started IMO collection actually. Um, so working on that and then uh, just getting it all going. We're gonna have some aquaponic greenhouses and um, uh, we will, uh, um, be transferring into that. And then I actually got an invite from the guy that has the largest aquaponics facility here in Zimbabwe. I went and hung out with him on New Year's Eve, him and his brother, really awesome guys. And uh, we're actually going to go do a tour of that um, possibly next week, uh, if not the, the week after for sure. Um, so that'll be really awesome just to, you know, show you guys a, an aquaponic vegetable grow out here in Zimbabwe, the biggest one in the country. And, um, and then uh, sooner or later, we're going to get down. One of the guys I work with knows the guy that has the biggest farm in all of Swaziland. So we're going to go down and uh, check out, a, a, you know, nice, big, giant, ancient cannabis grow from Swaziland. Uh, uh, it might, uh, for anyone that's seen, you know, film from there, it's pretty awesome. And um, yeah, um, Joshua, somebody asked if Joshua Steensland's coming. He'll be down here next month hanging out with me for a little while. So We'll be working on the farm as well. So he was on the last episode or the episode before. Um, so yeah, really, really cool. Excited to have him be part of the project. And um, yeah, just uh, getting everything going and then working on the book, uh, trying to get the book done by April um, that I've been working on. So we'll, we'll talk about that when the time comes. So I appreciate uh, everyone uh, sticking with me there on that little bit of a dry spell. We had a couple of weeks off, um, you know, between the travel and my mom passing uh, really uh, just took me a minute to kind of get my legs back under me, but we'll be back on to at least once a week show. Um, I have a couple of cool interviews that we're going to be doing that are going to be just one-off interviews um, that won't be live just because of the time schedule, but uh, we have some other cool people and some that we're going to be interviewing soon uh, in recorded versions. Like we said, we're going to change the format up a little bit this year uh, and maybe have a few, a couple fewer episodes, but we're going to have really cool stuff uh, to show you guys this year. So I appreciate everyone's patience and everyone sticking through. And uh, why don't you tell everybody how to find you again, just in case they, they caught us a little late. 
thank you guys so much. You can find us on WeVibe, and that's on Instagram. It's WeVibe on Twitter. It's WeVibe, and on Instagram is WeVibe underscore. So just make sure you add the underscore under there. Um, on Twitter, it's just WeVibe, W-E-E, V as in Victor, I-B-E. Um, and I think actually two pops up. So we are, obviously, you'll know which one we are. Um, we're only like two of those. <laughs> and um, my blessings to your mom passing. I remember you told me that and as we were chatting privately and I, I want to send nothing but blessings and love to you and your family, definitely. Um, I definitely understand that that's hard. So in the mix of all that, and you still were able to kind of get to us and let us be on your podcast, which you gained a respectable amount of people, I still want to show my appreciation. So thank you. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, and uh, you guys can find us on um, SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, um, S Spotify, uh, all the different places, whatever version you enjoy listening to us on. And um, I'll get back on getting the uploads. Uh, I know we're, I think, two episodes behind on the um, on SoundCloud and iTunes. So I'll make sure I get those uploaded now that I'm uh, back in the city for a couple of days. So we'll get that all caught back up for you guys too. So grab appreciate that. everyone. Take, what's that? No, grab the book, you guys. <laughs> oh yeah. And don't forget her book there, uh, uh, Strains for Astrology. Um, all right, guys. Uh, we'll catch you guys again next week. Uh, we might be back again before Sunday, but I think Sunday at noon definitely works really well for, for at least me and Marty for the time being. So um, I guess plan on Sunday, but we might have a, something cooler coming on sooner if we end up... Uh, going to visit someplace. So thanks a lot for everyone's patience. Cheers. We'll catch you guys again next week.